The following is audio from The Refuge Church. Every sermon is an invitation to understand, obey, and enjoy God. More information about The Refuge Church is available at therefugechurch.us. Welcome back, Refuge Church. <clears throat> Refuge Church. It's kind of like musical chairs. Once you get up, you can kind of you know, slide into the chair of another person if you don't have one yet. The seating arrangements at the refuge remind me a lot of a school bus. Get the, you know, people that are willing to behave in front. Get all the rowdy ones in back. Thanks, Rue. <laughs> Made me feel like my joke was really funny. You like your Yeah. It's true. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to start our time together by reading a prayer, an old Puritan prayer called The Valley of Vision. We read it before. It's a great way to start the year. So I'm going to read this for us and then give us just a moment to to pray uh, for ourselves to God. Lord, high and holy, meek and lowly, you have brought me to the valley of vision where I live in the depths but see you in the height. Hemmed in by mountains of sin, I behold your glory. Let me learn by paradox that the way down is the way up, that to be low is to be high, that the broken heart is the healed heart that the contrite spirit is the rejoicing spirit, that the repenting soul is the victorious soul, that to have nothing is to possess all things, that to bear the cross is to wear the crown, that to give is to receive, that the valley is the place of vision. Lord, in the daytime, stars can be seen from deepest wells, and the deeper the wells, the brighter your stars shine. Let me find you in my darkness, your life in my death, your joy in my sorrow, your grace in my sin, your riches in my poverty, and your glory in all my valleys. Amen. Amen. I want to give you a moment just to pray before we jump into the word of God together. God, we pray as we start this year that we will find ourselves in you completely at the very outset of all 2022 has to offer us. God, we pray in your mercy you'll be showing us parts of ourselves that, that can uh, come under the sovereignty and the rule of Jesus that can conform to the image of Christ because that's what we want more than anything. To learn to love you and be loved by you. God, please restore us to life fully 
this year. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we are starting uh, this year doing an eight-week sermon series uh, on the, the eight uh, parts of what's called the Road to Recovery, which is uh, the uh, eight uh, kind of steps along the path to celebrate recovery, which we're going to be launching this year in coordination with the Coffee Oasis. And, um, and so this is very different. I'm, I met with Jake and Ibrahim, and I said, you know, this, this is the kind of sermon series that I don't know if I've ever preached, which is the points are given to us, and it's not by nature exegetical which is what I love. I love coming to a text and, and just pulling out of it everything that's in it. And this is a little different because it's, it's showing, you know, this, this road to recovery. And my hope along the way is that you will see why we've chosen to partner with the Coffee Oasis on doing Celebrate Recovery. And that's because it's very biblically based, but also points to Jesus as the healer. That Jesus' mission to seek and save the lost is something that we really want to be about. And, and over the years, you know, this was like ingrained in the DNA of the Refuge Church as back in 96, my parents started Hope in Christ Ministries, which would become the Coffee Oasis, and we had this little house church, and all these things were kind of integrated together, and this participation in the healing of people, and, and ultimately our own healing at the same time was, was just part and parcel of what we did. As these things have grown... It can be harder for us as the Refuge Church to really be a church of the city. It's, it's a lot easier, a lot more comfortable to, you know, show up here and listen and go and like, process than it is when you're in a little circle of people. There's a lot more challenge there. And so uh, as, as uh, the elders of the Refuge have been getting together this last year and talking, we, we really want to intentionally encourage the refuge to be a church of the city, to really love our neighbors well and participate in the restoration of our community. And the most natural fit is to participate in the life of Coffee Oasis for us, right? Uh, the Coffee Oasis has wanted to launch a, a recovery ministry of sorts for the young people that come in. We thought, man, let's, let's partner with that. And so our hope is to, again, unearth the truth of this. And I think in, in the in the midst of discovering uh, how Jesus intends to seek and save the lost and how we take part in that, I think we'll find ourselves healing along the way. So, sound good? You guys ready? Eight weeks, something new? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. <clears throat> so, here's our intro. You have been stolen from, and what has been taken cannot be replaced with money. It is your very life that has been lost. Jesus says in John 10.10, 10, the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. And I have come that you might have life and have it to the full. This sermon series will show how your life was lost and how Jesus can restore a new and full life. These eight principles are also called the road to recovery and it is part of Celebrate Recovery. We hope that many of you will find new life in Christ will choose to help others be restored to life through Celebrate Recovery, the Coffee Oasis. So here we go. Have you ever found yourself asking the question, how did I get here? How did I get here? <laughs> yeah. 
all the time. Perhaps you can remember a time when life was simpler, clearer, maybe even purer. There was life, maybe joy, maybe intimacy in relationships. And now instead of that, there's darkness, numbness, distance. How do we get to this place? If you read um, culturally, the word numb gets used a lot, especially for the younger generations. That word numb. And, and it seems like at a, at a younger and younger age, people are asking that question. How did I get here? Very early in life, they're wrestling with this question. Why here? Who am I? These are the words of someone who is lost. Now, when I think of getting lost, I naturally think of hiking. And to get lost in hiking is very scary. And really all it takes is taking one wrong step, right? One wrong step, you miss a turn, you go the wrong direction. And all of a sudden, you go from that one step to incrementally you're getting further and further and further away. If you keep moving, if you keep progressing, you will progress in the wrong direction. You will get more and more lost. You're disoriented. Any direction really becomes the wrong direction at that point. So what do we do? Well, coming into a new year, typically what we do is we make a resolution. We want to get back on track. We will resolve to do better. And by Jove, we will do better this year. Here's to 2022. Well, If we found ourselves every year saying that, trying to do that, frustrated with that old hurts, habits, hang-ups, as they would say in Celebrate Recovery, that, that keep coming up, the good news is that Jesus came on a mission to seek and save the lost. Jesus came to seek and save those who are saying how did I get here? And they, they find themselves unable to ever turn that corner and, and come back. This is the journey that we're going to be on together. And today we're going to unpack uh, the first principle, which is this. Realize I'm not God. I admit that I'm powerless to control my tendency to do the wrong thing and that my life has become unmanageable. I'm going to read that again. Realize I'm not God. I admit that I'm powerless to control my tendency to do the wrong thing. And my life is unmanageable. So I want to look at what what I'm calling, this is not CR language, but I'm calling two ways we stay lost. Two ways that we, we stay in that place of saying, how did I get here? How am I here, after all my effort, all my trying, how am I here? Uh, the, the two things, and these are the two first lessons in CR, are denial and powerlessness. These are two ways that we stay lost. Now, denial goes back, I, it's almost like I have to take a breather. We're just, we dove in deep, right? <sighs> denial is something that takes us all the way back to the very beginning with the story of Adam and Eve. And we're going to read that here. Genesis 3, 1, 2, 13. This is how it goes. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, 
uh, we, uh, the, the light's breaking there, <laughs> we may eat from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You will certainly not die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took the fruit and ate it. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called the man, where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, who told you? God said this, who told you that you were naked? And have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some of the fruit from the tree and I ate it. And the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate it. (laughs) You can see denial. It's fingerprints all over this story. They had heard from God a really clear message. One without disputing, without debating, they knew. And then the serpent comes and he says, did God really say invites them into a place of denial. And the woman responds with truth, slightly elaborated or added on to, but mostly true. And then the serpent attacks it head on. He says, you will not die. And the woman sees something new in the serpent's words, something she had never noticed before, knowledge that God had not provided to her yet. I say yet. Because they could have gone to God for anything. (laughs) Could have gone to God and asked anything. She considers the words and lets them play in her mind. The tree, as it says here, is good for food. This is new knowledge to her. It's pleasing to the eye. She's never really considered it before. It's desirable for gaining wisdom. And the serpent's words seem more clear than God's words to her. So she denies God's words and she eats of the tree. The movement away from God is quick. Sudden. The denial spills over into the other relationships as we see here. Immediately, that denial of God turns into her invitation for her husband to deny God also, which he does. And then that denial that they've shared in all of a sudden turns inward to one another. (laughs) God comes to the man. What have you done? Well, the woman comes to the woman. It's the serpent, right? It's just this denial that that unravels the world. That's what's happening here. If we're looking for people who started well, we cannot find two people who started better than Adam and Eve. They were closer to the truth than we could ever imagine as they walk with God in the cool of the day. Think of how lost they must have felt. Does it surprise us that instead of being honest, especially when God shows up, 
they lie and live in denial about what they've done. Does it surprise you that immediately, instead of being honest and accepting, they deny? It should not surprise us because that is what we do. This is some truth we get from this, and it is so true of each of us. Denial of who I am begins with denial of who God is. True knowledge of self begins with true knowledge of God. Once they denied God, once they denied who he is and the truthfulness of his words, there was no way for them to see the truth of their situation or the truth of who they were. This is the place of how did I get here? The denial of who God is and the truth of his words leads to disorienting and denial of ever really knowing of who I am. I cannot know myself if I don't know God in whose image I was created. Denial can be hard to see because it is a state of self-duping that we do over and over again. And my guess is many of us are doing it right now in some fashion in our lives. Hence the need to be restored to life. It sounds like this. Come on. Everybody has problems. <laughs> Thought that? Like, well, I'm not the only one. I can stop anytime I want to. It really isn't that bad. It's something that runs in my family. At least I'm not as bad as... It's not impacting anybody else. I'll get better eventually. Each of these statements denies what's happening and it fails to accept the actual problem. Denial is an ever-growing distance between ourselves and the truth. It is that step off the path that we keep walking in and incrementally get further and further and further away. This is denial. So what is the opposite of denial? It is ultimately acceptance. And we hear that in this first statement. I admit that I am powerless. I admit, I accept. And when we live in that state of denial, it's impossible to find our way back. But the reason why acceptance is so hard the reason why it's easier to choose denial is because of this second word we're going to look at, which is powerlessness. And this is incredibly hard to accept powerlessness. What comes to mind when you think of being powerless? Uh, I asked Hannah if I could share this because the first thing that came to mind was humorous, which is when, when Hannah is with child, she cannot open any jar in our home. I don't know what it is. She's a very strong woman. But when it comes to opening jars while she's pregnant, she cannot open the simplest jar. And so <laughs> I'm not throwing her under the bus here. This is just the state of our home at the time. Um, we <laughs> which this is veering probably into a realm I shouldn't say, but um, there's this hilarious Babylon B uh, meme where <laughs> You know, back when they were, uh, Trump and Hillary were running for the White House, and the, the sat, sat satirical meme was uh, the Secret Service went through the whole White House loosening the jars, anticipating a Hillary win. Um, <clears throat> but, sorry, was that, was that too far? <laughs> so, so <laughs> it's like, someone's like, mm, preach. Um, so, <laughs> 
there is a sense of powerlessness that even for that, even though it's so easy for Hannah to just come over and be like, hey, here's the pickle jar, it's hard. It is hard to get to that place where you're like, you're frustrated, right? But that ultimate multiplies when we look at the other area of our lives where it's especially vulnerable to admit, I can't do this. And so we say things like, I can stop anytime I want. I will get better. It isn't that bad. Come on, everybody does it, right? Those things we say is because ultimately we don't want to admit, honestly, I'm lost here. How did I, how did I get here? How, how do I get here over and over and over again? And when we see Jesus then come and, and his mission to seek and save the lost, he starts his ministry with this amazing declaration in Matthew 5, 3, which is this. Blessed or happy are those who are poor in spirit. Happy are those who are poor in spirit. Would, would that be what we expect to, to come after? Happy is the person who, poor in spirit. What, do, what does it mean by that? What, what it means, what Jesus means by saying happy are the poor in spirit is happy is the person who realizes the true state of their hearts. Happy is the person who realizes that they really are powerless. They've come to the point of realizing, I need God. I am not God. When they, when they ask that question, how did I get here? They, they come to the conclusion, only God knows because I don't know. Happy is the person who recognizes that. And that is the language of CR, which says unmanageable. Happy is the person who realizes they can't manage or control what is happening in their lives. But most of us in denial aren't ready to recognize the fact that we aren't God. And not recognizing that fact, we keep continuing to try to manage our lives through self-help this or self-help that. Ultimately, that not working because I'm not God. There are things in my life, Daniel's life even, hurts, habits, hang-ups that are unmanageable that I cannot fix or figure out on my own. But here is the good news of the gospel that God has come to rescue you. God has come to save you. John 1, the true light that gives life to everyone has come into the world. He was in the world, though the world was made through him. It didn't recognize him. It denied him. It continued trying to deny him. But he came to that which was his own and his own not receiving him denying him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only, full of grace and truth. And I love verse 16 in John 1. It says this, out of his fullness we have received grace upon grace. To those living in darkness and those living in denial, Jesus gives grace upon grace upon, what is grace? Grace is God going, you don't deserve this, but I love you, I love you so much. That is what, every time you read the word grace, imagine God going, man, you've denied me so much, but I love you and I'm gonna rescue you. I want you to be my own. That is the grace of God. He's given us grace upon grace upon grace. That for us who deny him living in our power sense that are really pathetic, right? Just needing him so much, but we're denying him while we need him. His grace upon grace upon grace is coming and relentlessly pursuing us in his love. 
So good. That is the gospel story. And one of my favorite stories that shows this power contrast of our powerlessness and the power of God coming to redeem and restore us is the story of Jesus who meets the demoniac. Dun, dun, dun. Mark 5. Jesus comes up to this graveyard. And there's this guy, literally, who's just so powerful that chains can't even hold him down. He is a powerful person. People can't hold him back anymore. And he has hurt himself in so many ways. But, but we also see in him there is power. But, but where it really counts, right? Even though probably in so many ways he sought power his whole life and that led him to that place. And Jesus finds him. He looks at him. And he frees that man. It's a longer story. Read it in, Matthew, in, in Mark chapter 5. But it's this incredible place where Jesus meets somebody who has been absolutely rejected by the world, rejected by everybody on the outskirts of town, who is living in rage. And Jesus seeks that person, seeks that man where he is, finding him where he is, and restores him to life powerfully. Jesus can do this. I mean, you're not like running, as far as I know, not running through graveyards naked, cutting yourself and screaming at people, right? That's probably not your weekend activity. Jesus found somebody doing that and rescued them, right? So the the habit or hurt or hang up you have, Jesus, with grace upon grace, love upon love, can rescue you where you're at. You might be feeling powerless, but you did not, do not feel more powerless than that demoniac in Mark 5. And Jesus' grace upon grace is for you. Restoration requires Jesus, and, and he comes willingly wanting to give you restoration. The great denial of our world today is that restoration can happen apart from Jesus, but that is not true. And that is ultimately why we've chosen Celebrate Recovery to be what we use as we partner with the Coffee Oasis to offer Celebrate Recovery to the youth in our community. Is because it's not a generic higher power. It points to Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. And, and that Jesus is required for real healing to take place. That, that a broken soul can no more heal without Jesus than a broken car can heal without a mechanic, Right? Like, we need Jesus for our restoration. And so we are going to link arms. We're going to help one another. And so I want to invite you, there's going to be an ask later as we go on, but um, we, we want to have six people, six, well, six men and six women volunteer to be trained and help start Celebrate Recovery for the Coffee Oasis. Now, the long-term plan is we'd love to offer a Celebrate Recovery uh, at the Refuge Church. I think that's been a huge lack even here. If someone comes and they're, they're wrestling with a hurt habit hang-up that, that they don't know what to do. At one time, our church was small enough, it was very easy to do that very relationally and quick, right? But even if you come to a community group now, I realize you come to a community group and maybe they're talking at a level that you're like, man, I don't understand the Bible at the level you guys are talking about, Right? There needs to be this opportunity where people coming here to church can go, man, I just need to talk through this feeling of how did I get here? And maybe you've you've followed Jesus for a long time and you're in that place of, man, Jesus, I've walked with you a long time, but how am I here? How do I wake up here over and over again? 
And we want to we help. We want to link arms and do that work together. So um, we want to make a big invite to you to be a part of that. This is going to require work as a church. It's going to require people stepping up in ways you haven't stepped up maybe before. That's going to be our big ask. My more minor ask of you this week is to look at your life. To admit denial where you have denied. If, if there are places in your life that you are like, man, it will just get better. And to accept your powerlessness, the inability to restore yourself. Don't go on Amazon and buy another self-help book, right? Don't, don't read Seven Habits for Highly Effective People over and again. You know, it's a great book. Benefited from it. But if you're looking to break through into soul restoration, real life-giving, powerful, happy are those who are poor in spirit, it will require you doing this work with God. These two things, admitting denial and accepting our powerlessness, are best and really only done in prayer. This isn't just a journaling activity. This is something that requires you opening your heart to God, praying, Lord, See me and know me. God, you see where I rise and where I fall. God, see me and know me. Help me understand myself. I come to you fully. I'm going to invite us to take communion together. I'm going to introduce communion, and then I'm going to pray for us. A, A prayer that is in the CR book and I think will be helpful Um, This time of communion together is a fantastic time for us to invite God to look at us where we have lived in denial and powerlessness. Remembering our liberator, our rescuer, Jesus, who on the, the night where he would in all appearances be the most powerless, dying on a cross, he anticipated that by breaking bread and saying, this will be my body broken for you. Taking the cup, he said, this, is, this cup is the new covenant in my, my blood. Knowing that he would go through this, but ultimately be victorious, and in that victory, give you victory. And so as we take communion, we remember that together. So let me pray this for us, and I believe it's here too. Dear God, your word tells me that I can't heal my hurts, hang-ups, and habits by just saying that they are not there. Help me. Parts of my life or all my life are out of control. I know that I cannot fix myself. It seems the harder that I try to do the right thing, the more I struggle. Lord, I want to step out of my denial into the truth. I pray for you to show me the way. In your son's name, amen.